Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me to John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to stay right here tonight in John 4. Um, I was studying this because, you know, we're talking about living in the Spirit, and we've been talking specifically on the... uh, in the realm and in the authority of disengaging and not being so led by our soul, by our feelings, by our desires, our wants, um, what the flesh wants, um, what the flesh desires or even thinks, right? The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And if we're not careful, a mind, a will, and emotion that is not submitted to the spirit will try to take a lead, will try to direct. We've all been in those moments. We've all been in moments where the, our mind, our thinking, either our ideas or maybe our intellect will try to take the lead. We've all been in the moments where our wants or our desires will try to take the lead. Amen? We've all been in the moment where our emotions, our feelings will try to take the lead. Maybe you get a report or maybe somebody treats you a certain way and we can have a spirit response, or we can have an emotional response. We can have a spirit response, or I can have an intellect response just based on what I know. There, there's a whole nother level beyond your intellect that God wants to move you to. I'm not against knowing, and I'm not against learning, and I'm not against training, and I'm not against education. Of course not. But there is another level that you and I ought to achieve and live at that is beyond what we know. I heard someone make this statement yesterday. They said, being filled with the Holy Spirit and not praying in tongues is like having electricity in your house and still using candles. I thought, man, that nails it home right there. We we are hooked up to all this power, and I'm still just using something that gives me a little bit of insight and a little bit of knowledge. And that doesn't mean that my mind is fruitful. Paul said, I pray and my mind's unfruitful. I don't know, but I know that the Spirit's praying on my behalf. I know that the Spirit is uh, praying out the perfect will of the Father. The Holy Spirit never gets it wrong. The Holy Spirit always prays the perfect prayer. So why would I be hooked up to, you know, a, a, a valuable asset and not use it and still limit the capacity of my prayers and the capacity of my authority to just what I know? God wants us to live beyond intellect. He wants us to live beyond just what our desires. He wants us to get out of our feelings. Not, again, that they're dangerous, not that they're wrong, but if they're not submitted to the Spirit, then it's going to lead us down a path we don't want to be. In John chapter 4, we all know this verse in verse 23. Uh, in John chapter 4, verse 23, but an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, everyone say true worshipers. That means that there could be false worshipers, I guess. So when, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. And verse 24 says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must, everyone say must, must worship in spirit and in truth. So, you know, we've we've been hitting on this 
We've got to engage the Father. We've got to learn how to make contact out of our spirit realm. And that means that disengaging. And that means that, that, that uh, unraveling, so to speak, of what the flesh wants and what the, what the soul wants. And the more and more you practice, like, a, like we're talking about, the more and more you train your spirit to take the lead and you train your soul and your flesh to follow. That's why he says, be renewed in your mind. Why? Because your mind is garbage until it's renewed in the kingdom of God. Not that I always think bad things or awful things or sinful things, but it is not submitted to the spirit of God. Therefore, it needs to be renewed to what? The new nature of who we are, the new nature of the kingdom. What comes natural in the kingdom ought to come natural to you and I. So there's a renewing that takes place. That's training. That's equipping. That take, that's over time. You can't write down the date I renewed my mind. It doesn't work that way. That's a process, isn't it? Don't we know that that's a process? Don't we know that, man, it takes some work. And sometimes I'll take one step forward and I'll take two steps back, right? I'll take two steps forward and renewing my mind and 10 steps back and thinking like I used to. That old stinking thinking. So I got to train I got to equip. I got to coach, if you will. I've got to get this thing rallied up because my life will not be effective for the kingdom of God until it's submitted to the kingdom of God. And we've got to live out of the spirit. But let's look at the full context of this chapter. I want to go back to verse one, and we're just going to walk through this, and and hopefully we can get through the majority of what um, the Lord is showing me through this chapter. Uh, But I feel like this chapter, this full, uh, at least this whole scenario with the woman at the well, um, really will help us illustrate um, and bring, um, I'm I'm hoping, some some revelation to this disengaging the soul, living out of the spirit. So let's start with verse 1. It says, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John. But look what verse two says. Though Jesus himself was not baptizing, uh, but his disciples were. We'll come back to that. But I just want you to kind of let that simmer, if you will. That the Pharisees heard something about Jesus that wasn't actually true. And they believed it. That'll be important here in a little bit. Verse 3 says, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. Verse 4 says, he had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about Noon. So I want to stop right there. Let's I'll try to unpack a little bit here. Uh, Jesus learns that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples, although he wasn't. His disciples were doing the baptizing. He leaves Judea, and verse 4 says something very interesting. It says, he had to travel through Samaria. Well, we get nothing else in this chapter that tells us by physical limitation alone, in natural elements alone, that forced him to go this way. 
But to give us a little context, and some of you may already know where we're going with this, that the Jews and the Samaritans did not have contact association or dealings with each other. We actually learn that later on down, uh, where's that, in verse 6? No, verse 9 tells us, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So the Jews on this particular journey would do everything but go through Samaria. Jesus's people would avoid this area. So when they typed in the GPS getting from one place to another and it showed a a route that goes through Samaria, they took the option that went around Samaria. Anybody ever done that on your GPS? It'll give you options. And if you want to avoid a certain thing, you can look at the route and say, you know what, I don't want to go through there. I want to go back these certain ways. or I want to go through this town and you'll take the other route. He had that option. And we have no other indication of a must or a need. I think it's the Amplified that reads he needed to go through uh, Samaria. One translation reads it was necessary for him. There's no natural necessity to go through the very community in the very area. So it tells us this. By not telling us this, it tells us this, that it was a spiritual or divine compulsion. So here's the first thing we got to understand. Living out of the Spirit will have you do what is uncommon or unnatural in the natural realm. When you learn to live out of the Spirit, You have to get used to doing things that are uncommon or unnatural. No longer can we yield to, well, this is what everybody else does. Or this is how it's always been done. Or this is what the majority says. We have to, when you live a life habitually and patterned after the Spirit of God, you'll start doing things that are uncommon or unnatural. And it will not just be an option, it will be a necessity. It said he had to go through Samaria. Guys, I'm telling you right now that there are things in our lives that we're missing that are a have to in our lives because we're yielding more to the flesh or to the soul than we are to the spirit. And thank God for his grace and thank God for his mercy when I blow past one of those have to's. But sometimes you're gonna have to make up ground Sometimes you're going to add, there, there, there might be a, a, a little bit of a price to pay for not yielding and listening to the Holy Spirit. But why don't we just be a people that we yield to those compulsions, yield to those have tos, yield not just a want to, but a need, a necessity. Jesus isn't just, you know, thinking, man, you know what? Why, why don't we just go on through Samaria? You know, we, we haven't been through there in a while. You know, let's say hi to a few folks. Uh, this isn't an option for him. It clearly says he has to go through Samaria. No natural reason, so it must have been divine. It must have been spiritual. He has to go through Samaria, so he came through to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son. Verse 6 says, Jacob's well was there. And then it tells us this, Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. Worn out where? in his flesh, and presumably as well in his soul. You know, a lot of times when your flesh wears down, your soul's the next thing to go. When your body wears down, your mind's the next thing to go. But you still have a third part. 
still have a third part. You know, Galatians chapter six, verse nine tells us, do not grow weary in well-doing. You know, you can get tired even doing the right thing, the good thing, the correct thing. Tired isn't a sign of being out of the assignment of God. It's a flesh, we have bodies. Jesus was 100% God and 100% flesh, 100% man. And you know what? His body got tired. This is not the only time in scripture that we see Jesus doing ministry or, or living spiritually in a compromised state naturally. He walked on water. That, that, that's, a, that's a natural limitation. How do I get from here to there? By the Spirit, doing something supernatural. The Bible even tells us in, uh, it's, it's when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's crying out to God, he's pouring out to God, right? If there's any way this cup can pass for me, the Bible actually tells us that his soul was greatly distressed. What's that mean? That means I can still live out of the supernatural even in a tired, weary, or distressed state emotionally or physically, mentally. Those things do not compromise you and I. It may compromise the world, but you and I still have a capacity to yield to the Holy Spirit, even in a state where we're just wore down, even in a state where we're exhausted, even in a state where we're tired. Yes, we need to give attention to our soul and our mental health and our bodies and taking care. Absolutely we do. But even in those states where there's, you're, you're kind of living with no margin and you're maxed out from one end to the other, you can still live led by the Spirit of God. You can still live under the submission and subjection of your spirit that's engaged with his spirit. Amen. Because we're about to see some real ministry take place that, that maybe naturally Jesus wasn't looking for a place to do ministry. In fact, many times, even Christians have done this. These are times when we say, I need to be ministered to. And we do. We need that. We need that. But, but man, I'll just tell you, all these pastors that at the, any little inkling of exhaustion or tiredness are taking these 90-day and six-month sabbaticals and disappearing from their sanctuaries for, for I can't leave y'all a note for 90 days. Y'all kidding me? I'm kidding. No, you know what? Sometimes you do ministry. And it, it's, and I'm not talking pulpit five-fold ministry. I'm talking we're all ministers of the gospel. Ministers of reconciliation and tiredness and exhaustion has got to stop being an excuse for us. We need to find ways to keep ourselves equipped and strengthened and eating the right things, doing the right things. I'm all about physical health. I'm all about exercise. I'm a little bit about diet and eating, but don't, don't, let's not have that conversation tonight. I'm working on it. There's a renewing going on. We'll have Dr. Ken over here get on me real quick here in a minute. Yeah, we got to do these things. But you can still have a yieldedness to the Spirit of God when it becomes a habit, when it becomes regular, when it becomes consistent, like Jesus' life. So even in this tired state, he's worn from his journey. And then probably the last thing he's thinking is, Father, please don't send someone here that needs a healing, a deliverance, a casting out, a raising. A... I just need a drink of water right now. In fact, we learn later on that his disciples go into town to get him lunch. 
they're thinking about lunch. They're thinking about food. They're trying to hit up the nearest fast food and let's get this thing. We, we got to get them some sustenance so we can get them on home in a weary state. So verse uh, seven, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus says, give me a drink. Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. I love that in this passage, Jesus just breaks all the rules. When you start living in the spirit and by the spirit, you're going to start breaking some rules. Come on, I think we're going to see racial barriers broken, generational barriers broken, denominational barriers broken, religious barriers broken. When we start living out of the spirit and we stop indicating and identifying everything by a natural exterior position. He's already going through a town he's not supposed to be, and now he's talking to someone he's not supposed to be talking to. He's asking her to do something for him. I mean, you know, this whole scenario is like, Jesus, do you know the traditions? Do you even know your own heritage? Do you even know the laws of the land, the rules? You're breaking the rules right now. In fact, later on, his disciples, when they finally show back up, they're, they're wondering, it's the scripture tells us, they're asking themselves, why is he talking to this woman? What does he think he's doing? Does he not know? Or, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm to, I'm, don't get me started on traditions. We, we will, we abandon God's commandments for the sake of our traditions. Jesus addressed this in Matthew, chap, Matthew chapter 15. So Jesus is like, tradition? What tradition? Talk to who? Don't talk to who? What are you talking about? There's a wall there. There's a barrier there. There's a set. Not for Jesus. And this is where we'll find true deliverance. He says, give me a drink because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Now, I want you to listen to her conversation because, you know, she sounds a little defensive. She sounds, if you ever, you know, talk to someone that just immediately, there's a wall, immediately there's abrasion, immediately there's like, okay, you're, you're not receiving this at all. Now, I want to remind you that Jesus is the word made flesh. And the Lord showed me something this week as I was studying this and I was reading this. He, he, he told me this. He said, this woman speaking to Jesus is how many believers feel when they read the word. The initial response is to get defensive. The initial response is, well, wait a minute. Remember, this, is, this engagement, this conversation is a woman with the word made flesh dwelling among them. This is the word of God. So we can, we, we, we can judge or we can uh, interpret, man, why would she do that? She doesn't even know who she's talking to. But you know what? Many times we're reading the Bible and we don't know what we're reading. We don't know what we're engaging. We don't know the power it contains. So I want you to kind of have that that, that uh picture in your mind, if you will, as we read through this conversation. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? I heard someone say one time, we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. We don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. You know, it's a little different when you go to the Bible trying to get something and then you find out that it's actually demanding something of you. Yeah? 
If you want to get ministry from the word, sometimes you might find that the word is demanding something of your life. To give up something, to lay something down, to sacrifice something, to see something differently. And, and, and if we're abrasive, if we're defensive, if we have this approach of how dare you, or you want to manipulate it and twist it so that it better aligns with your lifestyle, then we might be more soulish than we think. We might be living out of our soul realm more than our spirit realm. When we live out of the spirit, we will welcome the ministry of the word in our lives. And you can get there, but you won't be there initially. We all, we've all been in the place where either it was a message that were pre, was preached or something we were listening to or an interpretation that we saw or a scripture that we read that challenged us. It's like, I don't know if I like that. Well, your flesh hates it. I'll just tell you right now, your flesh like, nope, not doing it that way. Your flesh wants the exact opposite. The Bible tells us that the flesh and the spirit war with one another, and the flesh is actually an enemy of God. So everything God stands for, the flesh automatically says, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it like that. That's what a marriage ought to look like? Nope, I'm going to alter that as much as I can. That's what parenting should look like? Nope, not going to. That's how we should be stewarding and taking care of our finances? Nope, not going to do it that way. Your flesh will find an alternative and find another way. And then what's even worse is there's flesh and then there's carnality, which is spiritual people still behaving as flesh. So all it is is just flesh dressed up in a suit. Religion is only flesh dressed up. That's what religion is. Religion finds spiritual ways to describe fleshly living, to justify it, to reason it. And that's what those Pharisees were. That's what Jesus dealt with. The, the, the greatest uh, you know, barrier in Jesus's ministry was religious people. The fleshly people had no problem with that. They wanted to be delivered. They wanted to be set free. The carnal people, the ones that were still behaving fleshly, but looking spiritual and religious on the outside, that was the issue. That's a dangerous place to be. No, I want to be in a place where I'm teachable. I want to be in place, be in a place where I've come to learn. That's why, you know, we, you, you just heard me pray that. May, may we come here with a sense of Holy Spirit, teach me, show me something, reveal something to me that I've yet to discover. I've never seen it that way. I've never understood it that way. I've never received it that way because his word is active and alive. And even if I go to the same verses I went to last week, and even if I preach the same message that you've heard before, the Holy Spirit still has the capacity to reveal something to you that you've never seen before. That's how revelation works. And revelation is what changes people, not information. Religious people have, have all kinds of uh, uh, lessons and have all kinds of information, and they can tell you the, the meaning of this and, and all the you know, numbers to that and, and all the different, but at the end of the day, can they give you life-changing revelation that will alter you forever? That's what I want. That's what I want in my life. Amen. So she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So she's aware of this tradition as well. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God. Now, either he's just really proud and arrogant and boastful, or he's recognizing I've got an opportunity to change this person's life. If you knew the gift of God, 
and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, verse 11, anytime Jesus is called sir, you know this, they don't know who he is. The man at the pool of Bethesda, sir, I have no one to help me in the waters. He doesn't know that the miracle worker and the miracle maker is standing right in front of him. We don't even got to deal with any waters anymore. We can change your life right now, sir. Because otherwise he's called teacher, he's called rabbi, he's called son of man, son of God. He's called anything but sir. Sir is just the common general reference, meaning I don't recognize the gift of God in your life. I don't know, I don't recognize you as the Messiah, the son of God, the anointed one. But she's about to, isn't she? Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. Listen to all the natural parameters she's putting on what Jesus is offering her. And see, this is the thing, is when we are trained to live out of our flesh or out of our feelings rather than our spirit, we'll find reasons why not instead of reasons why. We'll find reasons why we can't be delivered, reasons why we can't be set free, reasons why we can't overcome in our marriage, reasons why we can't see victory in our finances, reasons why we can't receive healing. In our, you'll come up with all the limitations because at the end of the day, the natural will always leave you at a dead end somewhere. The natural cannot, will not replace what God wants to provide by the Spirit. I mean, in this room, you could receive a rest and a refreshing in one midweek service more than you could find on a beach somewhere. You could live there for a year and you would still not be as satisfied as what God wants to provide by his spirit in a moment, in a moment. But you know what? We, we train ourselves that we're gonna try every natural element we're going to feed and fuel the soul at the expense of training the spirit. And then when we are so worn out and tired and at the end of our rope, we'll finally engage God. And typically we engage God out of emotion in that moment. We're crying out. We're pleading with God. We've got tears in our eyes. We're on our hands and knees. We're at the very end of our rope. And thank God by his mercy, he answers those things. But God wants to be contacted by the spirit, not by our emotions. God wants to reach in and change your life before we have to get there, before it has to end up that way. And again, even all hell can break loose around you and you're still settled in your spirit. There's still a peace that passes all understanding. Absolutely. That might, that might sound, you know, peculiar to you. That might sound like you've lost your marbles. You're just up there giving some kind of feel-good special message. No, I'm not. I'm telling you right now that you don't want to go through another day on this planet without living out of your spirit. You don't. I'm done with living dissatisfied. I'm done being drawn to the end of my, my rope and just given another fix that gets me one more step and one more step. And when it runs out, I got to keep running right back to it and coming up with reasons why I can't have it. You don't have a bucket. The well is too deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, 
Are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. The thing you need to understand about the Samaritans is they weren't just straight up evil people. In the Old Testament, the kingdom of Israel was divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And just even kind of like what we're seeing in our country now, the, the two sides didn't agree, didn't have the same perspective, didn't have the same viewpoint. And so there, became, there, there be, began to grow an angst and an animosity toward one another and even down to a hatred to where now the Jewish people won't even travel through Samaria. They won't even acknowledge them. And so the Samaritans, they have their way of worship. And the Jews, they have their way of worship. And they both point across the aisle and say, yours is the wrong way. And neither of them was correct. Neither one was right. Because we're looking at methods. We're looking at natural. Well, as long as, as someone does it the way I do it, or, you know, we have people that come to churches and they are looking for more flesh and soul reasons to continue to attend a church than they are spiritual reasons. Yes, they do. They're not in this room because you're, you're the midweek crew. You came for the right reasons. I know that. You didn't come for the lights and you didn't come because I'm of a certain age. And you but I, you know what? We've had people leave because we didn't serve coffee. <laughs> yeah. We have. We've had people tell us, I mean, and they're bold enough to tell me that. You know, I, I, I've had, you know, all kinds of silly, goofy reasons. They're, they're looking for more soul reasons and flesh reasons than they are spiritual reasons. But when you come looking for the right thing, for the right reasons, all those, your well's not, you're, you're, it's, it's too deep and you don't even have a bucket and, 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 and who do you think you are? You're a Jew, you're not even from here. All those things go out the window and say, I've got to have what you've got. But that's, that's, that's from the Spirit. That's from the Spirit. Amen. And those kind of people don't leave Google reviews on everything we're not doing. So, And they do it. And then people call me, did you see the review? No, I didn't. I don't even look. I haven't even re read our reviews. And then the good people go on and then they leave good reviews to counteract the bad review and get my rating back up there to five stars, whatever that means. <laughs> yep. No, she's just got every natural reason. Living out of the soul, verse 13, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. He says this, that if you continue to chase things naturally, you're gonna have to keep going back to them. You'll live in a perpetual state of chasing. But if you'll learn to start living out of your spirit, you'll get something on the inside of you. You'll get something on the inside that will feed and fuel your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Man, believers, we ought to be in our right mind, sound mind, whole mind. We ought to be whole, spirit, soul, and body. We should be whole mentally, physically, financially, socially, and spiritually. 
in all of those capacities. I mean, provided for, taken care of, abounding, and then some. We serve an exceedingly abundant God, not a barely get by, not just enough, but overwhelming over the top so I can help somebody else get there too. When I learned to live out of the spirit. And then my external conditions don't determine my internal position. I mean, Jesus, even in a, in a wore out, exhausted position, is still so strong spiritually that he's able to help this woman. That's provision. Provision is having enough so you can help provide the needs of another. That's provision. I'm not talking about three houses and two boats and a plane and all this stuff. If you need it for your, for your vision that God's given you, more power to you. But we're not talking about just some over, you know, extravagant, just ridiculous, natural thing. We're talking about provision where you serve the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You have no needs. Let's just go ahead and go there. You have no needs. Everything you need is in another environment, and you just have to pull it in by faith. Faith doesn't create stuff. It moves stuff. Faith doesn't create healing. Jesus already provided that. Faith doesn't, doesn't provide finance. Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The, whole, the entire planet comes to you. Belongs to you. But your faith moves it from an unseen realm to a seen. It, it moves it from one realm to another. Amen? Well, that's living out of the spirit. When you're living out of the soul or you're living out of the flesh, you're going to do like this woman. You're going to chase every natural thing. And then you're still going to see the limitations at the end of it. Don't have a bucket. Well's too deep. Don't know enough people. I'm of a certain minority. I mean, you, you'll, 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 you'll use natural limitations to excuse you from living the full and effective life of the kingdom. We'll do it. So he says, no, I want to work this thing from the inside out. You've been trying to fix this thing from the outside in. The flesh and the soul have to rely on the outside in. But God says, no, no, no. I've got something for you that will change your life from the inside out and make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. So verse 15, sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Now, at this point, we're getting to a place of hunger. See, here's the thing. If you don't understand the word, many times when we engage the word, we're engaging the word from a flesh and soul standpoint, when we're just getting started. And if that's where you're at, that's okay. Just keep doing it. Don't quit. Notice she continues the conversation. She continues to engage Jesus. She continues to ask questions. She's, she's confused. It seems conflicted. This isn't making any sense. Do you even know what you're talking about? I mean, all these things you could be gathering from this conversation so far. But if, if you'll just stay engaged, read the Bible whether you understand it or not. Read the Bible whether you believe it or not. Read the Bible and stay engaged and watch how the Holy Spirit will start to Create a hunger and stir a hunger within you. And before you know it, revelation's gonna start coming. But now she's asking, give me this water. So 
Look, many people want the results. They just don't want to make the investment. Everybody wants to come to the same conclusion. They're just not willing to do the same things. Give me this water. So now in the next statement, Jesus is able to go a little deeper. That's all this conversation is, is just the word working, the word working, the word working, the word working, digging a little deeper, just seeing, you know, how hungry is this person? I mean, we could take a really good lesson right here, guys, from, from even just witnessing and sharing our faith. We don't have to bombard them. We don't have to be super spiritual. We don't have to lay hands on them. Just engage. Just keep the conversation open. Just keep the thing moving. Just keep them stirring. Just keep them asking questions. I know people today that they have been working on people for over two years. And even when it seems like there's no progress, they're not moving toward the faith. Man, you're just, you just keep the conversation open because one day something's gonna happen where they're either going to see something on your life that's going to say, I got to have that, or their life is going to be so down that they're going to say, I've got nowhere else to go but what you're telling me. And man, you want to be ready to receive that person. But there's going to be investment. You don't get the result without the investment. And so Jesus in the next statement tests the level of investment. You know, there was another individual he tested investment with that was a rich young ruler. He made a statement to him that tested investment. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. How, how much buy-in are you willing to, to give? How invested are you, are you willing to be? Unfortunately, in that case, the Bible says that he went away sorrowful. He wasn't willing to pay the price for the result. His question coming in was, teacher, how can I obtain eternal life? He wanted the same thing everybody wants. He just wasn't willing to pay the price everybody was willing to pay. The disciples were willing to pay. Jesus says in verse 16, go call your husband and come back here. Guys, it's in the moments of the greatest confrontation that we'll see the greatest results. And so when the word, remember, this is, G, this is Jesus, the word, having a conversation with an individual. When the word starts to confront the things that your flesh and your soul don't want to deal with. In fact, your flesh and your soul will work hard over time to hide, cover up, leave uh, in the background the very things that God wants to address. Remember, God's working from the, inside, from the inside out, not the outside in. But the reason why people live a lot of times out of, the flow, out of the flesh and out of the soul is because they don't want to deal with the hard stuff. To live out of the spirit, we're gonna have to confront some things because that's what this word does. You're not reading the word, the word's reading you. It's a light. The Bible also calls it a mirror. It's a reflection back of what you are, and it will start showing you what you are. Not out of judgment, not for the sake of condemnation, for the sake of healing, 
for the sake of deliverance, for the sake of confronting it so we can get it out of the way, so we can live free out of the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But the Spirit of the Lord can't get into places where we keep it covered and we keep it veiled and we don't talk about that. And so he gets right to it. Go call your husband and then come back here. And her response is, I don't have a husband. I don't have a husband, she answered. And he says, you've correctly, correctly said, I don't have a husband. For you've had five, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. That true is going to be important here in a minute. Are we going to be honest when God starts, when the word starts confronting these things head on, starts challenging these things head on? And look, guys, we all have a one thing. Everybody has a one thing. The rich young ruler had one thing. Jesus said, one thing you lack, go and sell all you have. Well, I've kept all the commandments. He even recited them back to Jesus. Honor your father. Do not murder. Do not steal. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He says, well, there's one thing you lack. I mean, that one thing is the hardest one to let go. That one thing. But when the word starts revealing it and the word starts confronting it, your flesh and your soul is like, nope, you're not letting them in there. Remember, we talked about this. We're not doing this. We're not going there. Well, now we're finding that there was a, there's an issue here in relationships, in value, in, in, in either how she uh, saw these relationships with men or in her marriages, whatever caused her to go from man to man to man. And again, just as we're seeing spiritually, she's chasing something and it's not feeling her. She's leaving, she's, she's leaving these husbands dissatisfied because her soul isn't quenched. But look, you, you might look at her and say, man, how could she do that? But we leave all kinds of stuff. We leave jobs chasing one thing after another. We'll leave friendships chasing one thing after the other. We'll leave churches leaving one thing after another. We'll do it because this one didn't meet this need and this one didn't meet that need. Well, you know what? There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor. But when you learn to be in the place where the Holy Spirit has you synced up and locked up, then you'll be fed and you won't have to chase all this stuff anymore. You'll find that the place that maybe sings too loud and the place that doesn't pay enough money and the boss that was too hard on you and had the coworkers that were a little too crazy, you might find that that wasn't meant to supply your needs in the first place. God was trying to do it and he was trying to put you in a place to be more of a blessing to them maybe than they were to you. It's a whole different perspective. But when, we're, when we spend and invest so much effort, so much time, so much money in gratifying the flesh, no wonder when it speaks up, we listen. When we work so hard to please and appeal to our soul and to our feelings, then it's no wonder that we're following them at every little whim. We're not subjected to the Spirit. Our spirits chain to wherever our feelings want to go. Great servants, but terrible leaders, terrible masters. She said, You've, you, you, uh, Jesus said, you have said correctly, I don't have a husband, for you have five, 
and the man you now have is not your husband. Watch this in verse 19. Sir, the woman replied. It's the third time he's called sir. He's about to lose it. Like, you call me sir one more time. The woman replied, I see. Everyone say, I see. I see that you are a prophet. The actual proper translation of that is I perceive. This I see, she didn't learn this. She didn't see it on his profile on the internet. She, she, she didn't go to school to learn this. This wasn't intellectually discerned. This was given to her by the Spirit. The same Father in heaven by the Spirit through Peter in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. When I yield to the word, and I learned to start laying down and crucifying my flesh and my desires and my wants and my thinking. Now revelation can show up. You've been reading the Bible and you've been wondering why you're not seeing anything, why you're not learning anything. You either haven't done it long enough or you're not yielding the flesh and, and the soul. And when things get confronted and when things get challenged, you're bucking it rather than. See, when, when we create a culture that tells us that our feelings matter or that our desires matter or that our intellect matters as much as it does, and we create a culture that appeals to that and pleases that at every whim and corner, turning every corner, you become intolerant and resistant to something that would strengthen your spirit. I see it happen all the time in counseling sessions. I know when I'm... When I'm hitting on things, you can see the resistance. Oh, they, they want help in their family. They want help in their home. They want help in their finances. They want help in knowing God's will. But there's always going to be a bumping up against something that's going to require a revealing of, a letting go of, a laying down of, a crucifying of. And, and you know when they're no longer, when you have reached the end of the road, and that's when I have to take my hands off and say, Holy Spirit, you got to take it from here. You, you got to work on their heart. I can't change their heart. I'm a pastor, but I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't have the power to control and manipulate. And at any point, this can end. At any point, you can stop revealing. At any point, we can stop going deeper. At any point, you, you can say, I'm, I'm not going to crucify the flesh. That's, that's an absolute you have that prerogative. You have that right. You, you have that. God is not going to force you. He's not going to force you or bend your will. But if you're willing to say, I want that living water at any cost, whatever needs to be crucified. Paul said, I die daily. He wrote, we need to renew our minds. At the end of his life, he said, my life was poured out as a drink offering. He said in the book of Acts, I know that I can stand before God because I haven't shrunk back. I haven't watered down. I haven't compromised. I gave you the whole counsel of the word. Yep. It's an abandoning. It's a disengaging. It's saying I'm not going to be living out of my soul and my flesh. I will live out of my spirit. She says, I see that you are a prophet. Now revelation power shows up. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in 
Jerusalem. Notice that she jumps right back into the natural. She's talked about, you don't have a bucket. The well's too deep. You're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. You're not supposed to be traveling through here. She's identified all the traditions. She's identified all the limitations. And now she's got one more. Where? Where do we worship? Do we worship on the mountain? Do we worship here? Do we worship there? And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to get you from where to how. You're you're not going to access spiritual things naturally with natural resources, with natural access. You're going to have to understand that we've got to get over to living out of the spirit. Verse 22, Jesus, uh, uh, verse 21, Jesus says, believe me, woman, an hour is coming. He's talking about his hour. A lot of times when he said an hour is coming, he was talking about his crucifixion, that moment where everything was gonna change for mankind. An hour is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The Jews are pointing at the Samaritans. Y'all are getting wrong. The Samaritans are pointing back at the Jews. Y'all are getting it wrong. Do it our way. Do it our way. It's better this way. This is the right way. This is how we do it. And he says, both of you are wrong. You Samaritans worship what we do not, what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews, meaning it's coming from this lineage. But an hour is coming. It's the second time he said an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain. Everybody wants an explanation. You see where she's still relying on and yielding to the natural. If if this can be explained, if I can just understand, and then he says this, Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. What's he saying? You don't need an explanation. You need a revelation. We put too much weight on explanations. I'm gonna tell you right now, if you live by an explanation, you are not exercising any faith at all. It takes zero faith to live by an explanation. It takes zero faith to live beyond what you can see and beyond what you know and beyond how you feel. It takes zero faith to live with an explanation. It's gonna demand some great faith in your life. The greater the faith, the, the less you understand the less that makes sense, the less that you can put together, the less you can draw it up on a sheet 10 different times, it will not make sense. And he's still gonna have you provided for. It's still gonna come out. It shouldn't have gone this way. This shouldn't have taken place, but God. Faith overrides all that. Living out of the spirit overrides all that. Seeing miracles, signs, and wonders overrides all that. And he's saying, it's not explanations that are gonna set you free. It's revelations that are gonna set you free. You need a revelation from the Holy Spirit and he's standing right in front of you. Just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with the woman. See what I was talking about? Yet no one said, what do you want or why are you talking with her? I love that. The disciples crack me up, man. This crew is hilarious. Verse 28, then the woman left her water jar 
went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. I'm telling you, living out of the spirit is the best thing. It's a great diet plan, apparently. He doesn't even have to eat. I mean, he's already gone 40 days in a wilderness without eating. It's, and it did say afterward he was hungry and he was still able to fend off the devil. You and I, we would have given in on that first one. These stones can be bread. Show me. What kind of bread? Olive Garden bread, Texas Roadhouse bread, Red Lobster bread. Or one of each. Come on, we all love some bread. And you, you hungry after 40 days of not eating? And the first thing he tempts you with is bread? I don't even need the butter. Just give me the bread. Just, just hook me up. Even in that state, he was able to fend off the devil. Why? He lived out of his spirit. The Spirit was the one that sent him in the will. Ah, man, this, isn't this so good? Man, we got to live out of the Spirit. He says, I got food you don't even know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? And this is, see, this is what happens when you live so, when you live so invested in your flesh and in your soul, you're not even going to grasp these spiritual things. Like, man, we just hit up Chick-fil-A. We got, we got the milkshake. We got the number one. It's got American cheese on it. We got a large sweet tea. I mean, you're not even going to eat this? I'm good. I got food I already, you don't even know about. Where did he get the food? They're not even grasping spiritual things because they're so engaged in the soul and in the flesh. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, I want you to jump down here, verse 39. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Now, they're believing him on someone else's word. But if you'll believe in Jesus on someone else's word, you will deny Jesus on someone else's word. It's interesting, this whole thing started with verse 1. Jesus left the town because the Pharisees had heard he was baptizing more people than John. Parentheses, even though he wasn't baptizing anyone, his disciples were. They denied Jesus because they would rather know about him than know him. Now, hearing about Jesus can draw you to Jesus. But when you get drawn to Jesus, you're going to have to worship in spirit and in truth. You're going to have to develop your own personal strengthening reasoning in relationship with the Lord. And it can't be someone else's word. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. So first they believe because of what she said. But now they stay. See, what she said got them there, but what he said kept them there. You seeing the difference? See, we end up living out of our flesh and out of our soul when we don't get to know him ourselves. Building that relationship. 
And they told the woman, watch this, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. It's amazing. It started with a rumor, and it ended with a rumor that someone actually decided. See, don't ever let the truth get in the way of a good rumor. You ever heard that before? People love rumors more than they love truth. People love false stuff more than they love truth. People love fear more than they love faith. Come on. People love sin more than they love holiness. And this is a reversal of that. Why? Because it's engaging my spirit. I'm not satisfied with just knowing about someone. I've got to know someone. And that's what living out of the spirit, living out of the flesh and the soul, you're just collecting information. You're just collecting data. But when you want revelation power, you've got to get to know him for yourself. You've got to say, this isn't enough trying to contact God out of my emotions and a feeling and having the perfect song played and having the right band play and having the right preacher on the stage and having the right this and the right that, I will contact God all for myself. If no one else will, I will. If no one else believes that my body can be healed, I will. If nobody else believes my marriage can be restored, I will. I don't even need him to believe it. I will stand in faith and believe, and we will agree together with the Holy Spirit and see this thing turn around. That's living out of the Spirit. They said, we don't believe just because you said we now know for ourselves. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.